0: The Business South podcast is brought to you by Think Creative Intelligence Agency, Ridgeland, Mississippi, 601-856-2000. Hello, I'm Jack Chris, the host of Business South, the podcast hosted by Think Web Store. Glad to have you with us. I'm pleased to be joined in the studio by Dr. Wayne Wu and his wife is our special guest, Ms. Pat Wu. They're in the studio with us. Dr. Wu is the owner and founder of of the Diabetes Endocrine Institute in Flowood, Mississippi. Dr. Wu, thanks for coming on the podcast.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: Now, tell me, uh, you know, most people know about diabetes. They know what that problem is. and Unfortunately, many Mississippians have that condition. But endocrinology, that's another issue. You specialize in both. First of all, tell me, when did you start your practice? And describe to those who may not know what your practice consists of, what uh, endocrinology is.
1: First of all, um, I started practice in 2019, and a lot of people don't know what the word endocrinology is, and it's even hard to pronounce, but endocrinology is the study of the endocrine organs of the body, and endocrinology is the study of the hormones, and with well, diabetes, Um, The pancreas secretes insulin. We also studied the thyroid. The thyroid secretes thyroid thyroid hormones. And we also studied the pituitary, which secretes pituitary hormones. And also, in chronology encompasses the study of the bone metabolism as well.
0: Now, you started the clinic in 2001. Is that correct? Yes, I did. What brought you to Jackson? Because I I did a little research. I understand Uh, you did your uh, medical work at the University of Texas. Is that correct? Yes. So what brought you to Mississippi?
1: I've been throughout the United States, and what brought me to Mississippi was the fact that I wanted to start my own practice. I wanted to do something on my own. In my previous practices, um, the practice I came before, um, I was an own practice, and I wanted to do something on my own and create a very special, unique practice.
0: And Flowood was the place you chose?
1: It where, is what we have been here for close to about 20 years or so.
0: Right. Well, we're glad to have you. It's just, you know, it seems like so many doctors leave Mississippi, unfortunately. So we're glad to have good physicians come here. Uh, How many patients do you see on a normal day? And and how do they hear about your services? Tell me about that.
1: We see typically about 30 to 40 patients a day. And Our practice is unique in that we don't do conventional medicine, we do lifestyle medicine merged into endocrinology. Because we work with the patients with the meal plan, with exercise, Mm -hmm. and we encompass a holistic aspect of medicine.
0: Which is not done very often.
1: No, it's not. And the difference between conventional medicine and lifestyle medicine Conventional medicine um, is just a usual way of just giving people medicines, yep. but we look deeper into a person we individualize the therapy we we understand we have to get to understand the patient many the chronic illnesses we treat like diabetes or high blood pressure you have to kind of look at deeper in an in individual and you have to look at their lifestyle, their meal planning, their eating habits, and their behavior patterns.
0: Dr. Wu, do people have to have a referral from a physician to see you, or can they just make an appointment and come see you on their own?
1: They can make a referral. We actually take a lot
0: of self-referrals. Do you meet resistance from patients who just come in seeking medication and don't want to hear about, you know, eating fast food or drinking too much alcohol or smoking or not exercising? Well, actually
1: we have a lot of patients who want a different approach to manage their disease state. They actually want to learn more about lifestyle changes. About They keep saying, I don't know what I need to eat. I don't know what I need to do to better manage my disease. I want to take ownership of this. But I don't know how to do that. So they come to have me coach them on how to do things. And it, I find that very refreshing in some of these other patients. And you're right, there are some patients who have resistance to it, and that's a little bit more challenging.
0: Now I assume when the patient initially comes to you, you do blood work and a general workup to see We we do the blood work.
1: Right. Um, we also try to get to understand the patient. So we try to understand their behavior patterns and what their barriers are in not being able to make that lifestyle change.
0: Don't be modest here. Be honest with me and tell me. You've been doing this now for 21 years. How's your success rate been? I mean, have you seen people uh, uh, get off of insulin, for example, or lose weight or become healthier with your uh, type of approach?
1: Because we practice lifestyle medicine, we want the patient to achieve health. And that's what we always want to do. We're not trying to just get the glucose levels under control. Um, Many in... Many patients which have come to us who have been many times on many, some have come on 100, 200 units of insulin, many of them have been able to get off insulin and normalize the A1C and been able to stay off insulin.
0: I'm not going to ask you to criticize any other physician, but do you think in today's world of medicine that perhaps patients are over-medicated? Yes, they are. Which can be just as detrimental to the body as... As the illness itself. But yes.
1: Again, many patients are, are, over medi- are on too many medications because many times the lifestyle or one does not look deep into their behavior patterns. For instance, if they overeat, consume too many carbohydrates or too much fat, or if they never exercise at all, how are they ever going to get their blood sugars or the weight off?
0: But Isn't you're you're in Mississippi, Doctor Wu. I mean, you know, people here love to eat. That's why our uh, you know diabetes uh, patient levels through the roof. People love fried food. They eat a lot of wrong things. That's bound to be a challenge to you. But that's
1: and I kind of laugh at that your remark because I always say to them, "I'm going to take the country out of you." That's my. <laughs> I always go in a room. And I said we got to make some changes. Let's do something positive. Let's get the country out of you. Let's do baby steps.
0: And it works for the most part. I, I, for know.
1: some it works. For some it doesn't work. It depends how they have bought into the system, How if they really want to change or not.
0: And that was my next question. Have you encountered a good bit of pushback from patients who have said, no, I'm not going to give up? This. We kind of work with those patients, but I want them to meet
1: me. I want them to take them baby steps. You cannot change behavior overnight, but change one behavior. Can you cut down the fried foods? Can we cut down the sodas? We need to do something. If you cannot do anything, there's no point.
0: Dr. Wu, what about, and and this is brought up a good bit, we we live in a a poor state also. And I'm a native Mississippian, so I can say these things and they're factual. And a lot of people, it's more expensive to eat a well-balanced meal than it is to go to the corner of McDonald's if you're on a budget and buy a, a dollar hamburger. And I know you've seen that with your patients. So how how can you how do you tell your patients, all right, you can you can eat better and you can do it affordably?
1: Actually, it's not more expensive to eat healthier. It's just that's a myth. Because we have places like Sam's where you can buy things in bulk. It's not more expensive; eat healthier. You have to be creative. You have to know what to do. That's how you have to do it.
0: That's a good answer, and and I guess also a lot of water,
1: cut lots back, of water, but a lot normal. of
0: green leafy vegetables, right.
1: and you can grow your own vegetables too. Right? There are, and you can actually food preparation is not expensive. You just have to know how to do. It. And that's a conversation I have with patients. Let's prepare our meals. You spend seven or eight dollars going to a fast food place, you can make that, it may be a dollar. You just have to be able to do it and want to do it and, and take the time to do it.
0: How important is exercise?
1: Exercise is extremely important because exercise not only helps the blood glucose levels, but exercise also helps you maintain a weight, a good healthy weight, but exercise—I've been reading lately. Exercise also helps decrease the risk of dementia.
0: By blood flow or other. Uh, it, it just helps
1: the blood flow. It helps to increase blood flow to the, to the organs of the body, and it helps condition your body.
0: I take it you probably would exercise yourself, do you not?
1: I swim close a mile a day.
0: Good for you. Well, I'm sure I'm sure some patients have asked you, okay, do you practice what you preach? If you're telling me to eat healthy food and that kind of thing, do you do this? For time? the most part I do
1: and I do exercise every day. I swim close a mile a day and I don't feel good if I don't do my swimming in every day. And it's something I enjoy doing and swimming something I love doing.
0: How do you feel when you make a huge impact on a patient's lives. I mean, I'm sure you've had many success stories over the years. How does that make you feel?
1: Well, I also teach residents in my clinic and I tell them, the, a job to me, what I do is not just a job. It's my life's passion. Utter, for, I feel great reward for what I do when I see a patient's A1C come down I, only, I also see great reward when I can get them off of insulin and I can make them healthier and when I can get them lose, what, to lose weight. That is a personal reward I see, and I see that in very few vocations, one endeavors. In.
0: How did COVID affect your practice? Did you have to close at any length of time? Did people hesitate to it, come into your office?
1: They're still hesitant to come in. Really? Um, the volume has come down and slowly trickling back up. But when COVID hit, we didn't know what to do. It was so new to us. We shut down for three weeks, we were nervous. Sure. It was like the world was caving in. What do we do at this time? It's just like anything else. You have to kind of step back. You have to take a deep breath and you gotta say, where do we go from here? And how do we go forward with things? And And then you devise a plan and you execute it.
0: Tragically, ironically, people who had pre-existing conditions like diabetes were more susceptible to COVID or once they, if they contracted, you know, they they had worse outcomes than Uh those who who were healthier.
1: Not only with diabetes, but also those who are slightly overweight or have obesity have an increased risk of, you know, contracting, you know, having poor outcomes with COVID-19
0: My guest here on the Business uh, South podcast, I almost forgot the name of my podcast, we do this live, Business South podcast, I don't have any cue cards, it's Dr. Wayne Wu, his wife Pat, is in the uh, studio with us, and he is the owner and founder of the Diabetes uh, Endocrine Institute in Flowood, Mississippi. I understand you host events for your patients, what kind of events? We
1: used to host a lot of events when I had a lot more energy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And you seem to be energetic enough. We used to. Before COVID. And, and before COVID, yeah. yeah. We, before
1: the COVID-19 um, hit us, we used to do um, diabetic teaching sessions at least twice or three times a uh, month. And that was a lot of work. Because what I would do is at the end of the end of my um, clinic, I would go up there and talk about diabetes self-management for at least two hours, and Ms. Pat would cook them a meal, a very healthy meal, to teach them, you know, what um, a healthy meal is. And do you
0: plan on resuming these uh, events anytime soon? Um,
1: Perhaps later when the COVID-19 kind of dies down more.
0: You know, Dr. Wu, I don't know anything or much about diabetes, but... Can a person be diabetic and then completely become healed and and be rid of the the disease? Or are they stuck with it for the rest of their lives and have to manage it?
1: That's that's kind of like a trick question because a lot of people come to me and say, I want to be healed of this and get rid of it. But if you don't make the lifestyle change and sustain that behavior the diabetes will come back. It will come back. Okay. And people don't think like that. They think, I've had patients which I've got their A1C down and they're normalized A1C, but they don't come back for years. And all of a sudden they come back and their diabetes is full-blown again because they went back to poor behavior. So the diabetes does not go away. You can control it. It's part of you, but and you need to acknowledge it. And you need to continue to continue to make the lifestyle changes.
0: How far are we in developing any type of cure for diabetes? Are you aware of any work being done or pioneering? Well,
1: right now we have so many great therapies already. Science is just amazing right now with all the different medication we have to work with the diabetes because right now we're not right now we have medicines, which not only help with diabetes, but also help with heart failure and help with um, decreasing um, poor kidney outcomes. We didn't know that before. So now we have more amazing therapies which can help our people with diabetes.
0: Do you think we'll ever have a point where diabetes won't be the major health issue that it is now? Or is it just going to take more self-education and more physicians like you?
1: I think diabetes will be here for a long time because the way we do our lifestyle our lifestyle has gotten poorer.
0: It, with eating habits and with the
1: eating habits lack of exercise we become more sedentary and we have we're eating more carbohydrates more starch
0: we're eating more you know fast food stuff what is the worst possible food you can eat do you think
1: I I don't like to use the word worst possible food I think we need to be careful. We need to be mindful. We need to do mindful eating. We have to be not eating too much starch and too much saturated fat at times. And we've
0: got to get our exercise in. And moderation is okay to a certain point. Do you tell your patients that? that Again, it depends on each individual.
1: The meal plan is individualized and each person has their own goals.
0: What's been the most challenging case you've ever had or challenging moment in your practice. Can you name one?
1: I've had several challenging moments. I think the most challenging moments is when you confront a patient and they don't want to change and they say I'm eating proper, I'm doing everything proper, I can't get healthy, I can't get my blood sugars down and to me that is very challenging because they have some beha- barriers which I cannot break. And they're not giving me the chance to break them. And they're not allowing me to help them. And that's got
0: to be frustrating.
1: That is very frustrating.
0: The other side of the coin with this question is, can you look back at your career and say, this was a highlight. Or this, this was something that, that I practiced. This is what I studied for. This is a great moment for me and for my patients.
1: There have been many highlights like that because I really feel overjoyed when the patient, I've had one patient lose 100 pounds, but that per- person was very motivated and worked with me. And to this day, that patient has maintained that weight and has kept a good A1C And the patient. And I've had many patients who've gotten off close to 200 units of insulin, but they really
0: worked hard on it. And you still see those patients, though, to my Some opinion. of them I
1: see. Some oh. of them I don't see because... They have moved, some have lost the insurance, some of them have moved on, don't know.
0: And I, I told you before we went on the show, as an old talk show host, i jump all over the map, but here's another question I have that I'm not sure about the answer uh, to. So I'm 57 years old, for example, or will be soon, and I exercise, I have no health problems. Could someone like me develop diabetes later in life?
1: You can, it depends on your genetics. Mm-hmm. Um, and it depends if, for instance, later on you gain some weight and you start eating unhealthy again, it depends on genetics too. So you could develop diabetes later on.
0: Depending on your family history. And
1: that's why you should get periodic screenings to make sure you don't have diabetes. Yearly screenings,
0: wouldn't you say? Yes. These Mm days, uh, you know, next month is men's health month and traditionally, and I'm sure you see this in your practice, men are the last people to go see the doctor.
1: They always are and I always tell these the, I always tell the men you need to bring your spouse here so that we can take care of things.
0: It, it, that would be a good idea the spouse wants to see her husband live and can help <laughs> monitor with food and that kind of thing and actually listen probably whereas the male might, might not.
1: Well in our clinic I, I welcome the family members to come in because many times the person with diabetes need a support group. They need someone who can cheer them on, someone who can help them with the meal planning. What are the barriers and how can we tackle these things? And uh-huh. the family, of course, has to be involved. Yes,
0: yeah, right. Uh, and, and they're going to be eating the meals, the same meals, the, the man or the or your patients. Well, are many times eating. the woman is the cook. Right, right. And but the kids may want fried chicken and French fries, mm-hmm. and the parents shouldn't give in to that. They should, the whole family should eat.
1: That is true because when a person has diabetes, it involves the whole family.
0: What can diabetes do to a person if left unchecked? Diabetes
1: can lead to a lot of complications. um, And a lot of times people ignore it because they don't feel anything. But it can lead to increased risk of heart attack and strokes. It can lead to blindness and can lead to foot amputations. It can lead to chronic, it can lead to kidney failure. It can also lead to gastroparesis, which means the patient will not will be throwing up all the time. And it can lead to, lead to a lot of nerve damage with a lot of uh, painful neuropathy or nerve damage in, in the lower feet.
0: You know, one thing we, we haven't mentioned, uh, Dr. Wu, but uh, unfortunately, something that has taken place during COVID is that a lot of people have gotten depressed, especially early on and they developed some habits that perhaps they didn't have prior to COVID. And one of those habits was excessive alcohol intake. How big of a factor is alcohol intake in diabetes?
1: Alcohol intake actually can cause some weight gain. Actually, and alcohol can also decrease the mental status and also can lead to more depression. For a lot of my patients, Some of them I haven't seen for over a year and they've come back recently. And I have noticed the A1C have deteriorated a lot. And that's because they've been more
0: sanitary
1: and their eating habits have been really off.
0: And they might be drinking.
1: They might be drinking.
0: What do you think about natural, I'm putting these in quotes, natural remedies that people use? People go to health food stores now. It's a multi-million dollar industry. And they think they can find their own cures or or supplements to help diabetes. First of all, do you use any nutritional supplements or herbal supplements in your practice? And what is your opinion on them?
1: We don't use any natural supplements in our our practice. And for the meal planning, I, I usually tell them, why are we doing smoothies? Why do we not go ahead and eat more green leafy vegetables? embrace the natural fiber in the vegetables. Um, Also, people use all these natural supplements, but all these clinical trials have not supported use of natural supplements. So you don't know what you're really taking. And it's not
0: FDA approved. It's not FDA
1: approved and you don't know what's in all these supplements.
0: So bottom line is, and and we're just about through the interview, I told you it would go by fast. Uh Bottom line is, for anybody, whether they're they're diabetic or not, uh, moderation, if you're already healthy, exercise regularly, at least what? How many hours a week would you recommend?
1: At least 30 minutes a day or 150 minutes per week.
0: Whether walking, jogging, bicycling. Anything just to be more active. You don't have to be a marathon runner. No. And then also more fruits and vegetables, I assume. and More green leafy vegetables, less starch and sugar.
1: You got to be careful with too much fruit, especially for a person with diabetes.
0: Too much fruit.
1: Yes, because fruit is a sugar.
0: Yeah, sugar. And natural sugar can be just as dangerous. Natural
1: sugar, or even honey, is natural sugar. Remember, diabetes is an inability to process sugar. So why are we eating so much sugar?
0: Well, it's a lot to uh, lot to chew on, or not chew on, as the case may be. But Dr. Wu, give us your information, how people can contact you, whether or not you have a website. If they want to see you, book an appointment, which I'm sure many of our listeners and viewers will. How can they contact?
1: They can they can go on my website, which is diabetesendocrine.org. They're going to also call my office at 601-932-1223. And we're also loaded, we are located at 2610 Courthouse Circle, Flowood, Mississippi, 39232.
0: It's been a pleasure, Dr. Yes. Wu. Again, it's the Diabetes Endocrine Institute in Flowood. I'm Jack Chris. You've been listening to Business South which is hosted by Think Web Store. Thank you so much for listening and have a pleasant day.